Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi, everybody, and welcome again to the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Today, we welcome the amazing Justin Colby. Welcome, Justin. Hey, Thank you guys. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. This is awesome. That was a, the amazing. I don't, that could be a first for me. I feel like I tell myself that a lot. There we go. But uh, I really appreciate that compliment. Good. Very it's the amazing. affirmations that work. And so here's a little bit more about Justin. Justin Colby is the founder and president of the Science of Flipping and Phoenix Wealth Builders. Uh, the Science of Flipping is a top ranked real estate investing podcast on iTunes and PWB is a professional real estate investing investment company specializing in purchasing, rehab, wholesaling, wholesaling in the metro Phoenix area. Uh, Justin is also named the best-selling author on Amazon for the Science of Flipping Real Estate Investing book. Um, I've read it. Great book. If you want systems, here you go. And on past that, featured in Entrepreneur Magazine. He's flipped and wholesaled over 750 properties to date, and Justin is a master at finding deals in a market that many say is the most difficult market to be a real estate investor. And we've actually heard that a couple of times. Not only, not only is he a very active and successful investor, but he's also a very powerful and successful real estate coach and public speaker who has mentored nearly a thousand real estate investors nationwide. Wow. There you go. Boom. Yeah. So, wow, that's a great point. And before all this, well, let's just backtrack. How'd you get started in real estate? So <clears throat> I'm going to take you all the way back to the boom. I, uh, well, I'll take you even further back. I went to UCLA. My buddy and I were trying to figure out what the hell do you do after college? Uh, his dad was a developer. And so at UCLA, we were like a month away from graduating. He was like, you want to go into real estate? And I'm like, yeah, shit, I don't, fine, right? Like I have an English degree. I, I graduated and I have an English degree. What the fuck do you do with an English degree? Unless you're going to be a teacher, right? And I wasn't going to be a teacher. So there's that. So he said, listen, let me learn the industry. And then you go do your thing, figure something out. And then I'll call you when time's right. Because we were going to be realtors, right? We're going to start a brokerage together. Uh, I went directly into sales. I ended up opening a very successful sales company um, that had me actually living in Boston at one point. Um, and I'm from California originally. So I ended up catching pneumonia because yeah. my body was not ready for it. And I ended up having... I basically let go of my company. I said, fuck it. Right. Like I was making a lot of money to be 24, 25 years old. I was making 500 grand a year. Like you don't know what to do with that kind of money when you're that age. Right. People our age don't know what to do with that kind of money. So I ended up calling my family and basically saying, Hey, I got to come home. <clears throat> the doctor said I got to either be kind of bedridden in the hospital for a couple of days and let them just pump me fluid fluids and all that. Of course I don't have health insurance. Cause why would I, um, I'm invincible. Yeah. So they said, you know, you should probably go home and have someone kind of basically take care of you and get, feed you soup and kind of get you back on your feet. Called my family, moved back to San Francisco. A week later, I'm still dying in bed from pneumonia. I had full-blown pneumonia. My, that same buddy calls me and says, hey, you ready to get started in real estate? He had no idea I was home. He had no idea. And I was like, great timing. I'm actually home again. Yes. So I get started in real estate and we start this amazing brokerage, which is still around today. It's actually the number one performing brokerage in Marin County and Sonoma County in California. Um, and so we get started and we're awesome because everyone's awesome in 2005 and six, right? I mean, new home sales were crushing it. So I was an order taker and I was making a ton of money and I bought a $500,000 condo and I bought a $90,000 Lexus and I would I had an American Express Platinum card that I'd run 40 grand a month on because I was making so much money that I could just pay it off every month, right? Well, crash happens. Uh, I lose it all. I end up having to call a buddy because I was not willing to go back home. I did that once. I'm not calling the family again to go back home. Call a buddy and say, I'm done. I am as low as it gets. I don't have any income. I'm, my house is going to foreclosure. Literally, the repo man is after my car. Um, can I stay with you? And he was like, well, I got a couch. Yep. You can stay with me. So I'm sleeping on my buddy's couch in San Francisco. And my other buddy was in KB homes insurance sales and he knew he was going to get fired. And he was like, fuck, what do we do? And blah, blah, blah. I know you're down and out. And right now I'm still getting paid, but I won't be getting paid for long. What do we do? We just, you know, this is right when people started seeing online, you know, make money with no cat, you know, no cash, no credit just started to kind of get big online. And we saw someone's video. 
Um, and we're like, dude, we can do that, right? Because he had the whole kind of corporate real estate side. I had the agent side. We're like, well, all we have to do is go find deals and flip them. Isn't that easy? Come on, this is, this is nothing, right? So we say we're doing it. Now, at the time, he lived in Surprise, Arizona, which is a part of Phoenix here. I lived in a couch in San Francisco. And um, I had no money. So literally, like, my friend had to pay for everything. If we wanted a burger, he was paying. If we wanted, I was down and out. And we basically, me and my business partner, and we're still business partners today and still best friends today. And um, he took the boots on the ground kind of thing because he was here in Phoenix. And I took the like cold calling thing. Like, let me set appointments for him to go meet, to go try to work some stuff. So I started cold calling realtors for seven months straight to, to get a realtor to understand what we were trying to do so we could buy our first property. Well, it's also the market is destroyed. Banks don't know what they're doing with short sales. So we're getting plenty of homeowners to say, yes, I'll take your offer. But then the banks are basically saying, they don't say anything really, right? I mean, this is back in 2007, eight, nine. And so um, it, took us, it took us the better part of nine months to get our first deal. So for nine months, I had no income, sleeping on a couch, but I was willing to do whatever it took because I knew we could make it. I was like, I watched that guy's video online. I'm like, if this fucker, can make $43,000 on one deal with no cash note, I can, I'm going to win, right? If this guy can do it, I'm going to win. And we just were relentless and we went through it all. And the, there was a story where the repo guy was after my business partner's car and my car. So he drove to San Francisco, gave me his car and I gave him my car. And so he was driving my car in Phoenix. I was driving his car in San Francisco. So we got away with that for about six months. And then finally kind of, they started knocking on our family's doors. And then that's when we were like, okay, this has gone too far. Um, but it took us the better part of nine months, got our first deal done, made seven grand, got our second deal done in that same year, uh, made another seven grand. And that was, that's all we needed. I mean, that confidence, the ability to say, we did it. We know we can do it. We just put our head down and went for the moon, ended up buying coaching and getting mentors and just really immersing ourselves in it and just saying, we're going to make this and this is going to be big and this is going to be awesome. So that's how I got my start. Wow. That's just crazy. I'm like crying on so, so many different levels. I mean, of course, the everything that happened in 2007, 2008, 2009, I mean, we all felt that. Yep. Just your story. I mean, that's just amazing. That's just oh, amazing. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you know, so my business partner lost his house at the time he had a wife and he has a kid and that whole dynamic. And, you know, um, he lost his house. He lost his car. Uh, we ended up having to move in together. Um, I moved out here to Phoenix. We started living together because we had, didn't quite have enough money to each have our own place. Um, we had to reinvest in our business. I mean, it was just, it was a grind, right? And we'd take care of his son together kind of right like he would have his days and obviously him and his wife ended up splitting and uh it was just tough right and for both of us to be able to make it through that and to be able to prove to ourselves and each other that we can do this was really empowering the amount of confidence we got from that um really empowered us to get to this next level and, and beyond right and so but those stories don't stop right there's always kind of something in life that happens and there's hurdles that come up and it's it can be personal, it can be in business, it could be a market, it could be something. Um, and so, you know, that, that's that story about how I got in. But I mean, we have plenty of stories I could give you guys from getting into developing to all of it, right? Well, yeah. And at this point, you go through that and you come out on the other end. I mean, you basically are an invincible. You're like, you're like, hey, what else could they possibly throw, throw at me? I'm ready. I've seen it all. I've done it all, no matter what. And it's just, it just hurdles in my big life picture. So yeah, kudos for you. I mean, that, that's awesome. Yeah. Wait, what happened to the brokerage at this point? Was it basically, where did, where did that go through the process? Why well, I, I didn't like being a realtor. Um, it was not really my thing. I don't like driving people around looking at homes. Um, listing properties was pretty cool at the time because the market was so hot, right? I mean, it was like property hits the market. It's like, okay, I'm just an order taker. Great. I'll take my 3%. Awesome. Right. Um, but when the market tanked and everything changed, I was like, I'm not going to fight for this because I don't enjoy it. Right. So I was very clear that, I didn't have any fight to go become a great realtor and have to actually work because I didn't work, right? Being a realtor at the time, I was an order taker and I made a shit ton of money, but I didn't do anything special. Um, I didn't create the business, right? The market created me. So 
when that came, I was like, I'm not going to fight for this because I don't enjoy doing it. So that's where I wanted to become an investor because I really enjoyed the concept, right? Like this is cool. You can create this and leverage it into this and all this different dynamics of being an investor, right? From creative financing to buying holds to flipping properties to, you know, at the time our big thing was we were like, cause we went right into flip, uh, fix and flip. We were, you know, helping the neighborhoods, right? Cause there were so many rundown vacant gross properties, right? So our big thing, oh, and we can go and make an impact in the neighborhoods and really do good and hire people and create an income for people, um, you know, that might be out of work right now. And so I found that to be much more valuable. So the brokerage itself is still there. Like I said, my buddy, uh, both my buddies. So there's basically like three of us that started it. Two of them stayed on. Um, I basically just said, bye. I mean, they understood. I was like, I don't really love this, it's, you know. I'm not going to fight to stay on. So I wish you guys the best. We're still the close, like we're still super close. We're like brothers, right? Like one of them had a birthday yesterday. I'm on FaceTime with them. What's up, dude? And blah, blah, blah. So the relationship did not strain at all, um, but they are crushing it. Um, I don't know if you heard, but those fires up in Northern California, yeah. that's where those brokerages are right near Napa and Sonoma and all that. That's where the brokerages are. So their business is booming right now. Just crushing it. Amazing. And if we go back to that first deal, when it finally came across your desk that you, you had this deal that it looked like you were going to get to the finish line, what allowed you to get to it? And what was that feeling when you were finally able to just get one across and prove the model? Yeah, I think the feeling of it all was pride that we did it. Holy shit. It took us nine months. I've been eating top ramen and hot dogs for nine months. I'm sleeping on a couch. I'm doing whatever it takes. I'm sacrificing it all um, to get to know that I can do this. But the, the real part that came from that was I was just persistent, right? So there's a bunch of, in my opinion, there's a bunch of qualities that um, get bundled together when you talk about success, right? So persistence is one. Failure is another. Drive is another. Um, patience is another. Tenacity is another. Um, and so you bundle all those things up, right? And then you can say this would equate to success, right? Because you have to have a certain amount of failure to be able to grow and, you know, become better, right? You need to learn from those mistakes. But one of the things that I've always prided myself on are terms like tenacity, <clears throat> grit, persistence. Um, I just don't give up right? Like if I want something, I go after it. And in terms of business, that's been my mentality and personally as well. And so I have the ability to have thick skin. I can hear no a lot. I don't care. It doesn't, it doesn't affect me, right? <clears throat> and being a public figure <clears throat> is another place where now I'm in the public eye and I'm speaking in front of 500 people at a time and whatever. And people have criticism, right? People have criticism. Oh, Justin's this, or he came from this or doesn't affect me, right? So hearing no doesn't affect me. Another thing is like a quarterback. They say a great quarterback has to have a short memory, right? They throw an interception. They have four downs or back on the field. They got to forget about that interception, go right back into thinking about the scoring drive, right? Same thing with me. I have a short memory. We made a mistake. Okay, boom. What did we learn? We learned some good shit. Awesome. Let's take that good shit over here, right? Like it doesn't weigh me down. It doesn't affect me. Um, and a good example of that would be our development project. We were developing 79 townhomes and basically we were on the verge of losing everything because of some of the people were embezzling and just, it just got really ugly. Right. Um, you wouldn't have known I was going through anything because stuff doesn't weigh on me, right? Like I, life is way too short for you to sit around and have every little thing. You stub your toe and you have a bad day. Get the fuck out of here. Like, stop it. Right. Like, traffic. Oh, I'm going to have a terrible traffic's terrible. Tra no one likes traffic, but it's not going to ruin your day. So I'm able to take that, learn from it and just get, okay, what can we do better next time? Okay. We got to move on from this. I don't dwell on the negativity. Right. Um, and that's been a part of my success is to be able to have a short memory, take your losses. And we all are going to have losses, whether it's a flip that you buy and you end up losing money, whether it's a development that you think you can develop 79 townhomes, even though you've never developed before. Um, and you lose 400 grand. I mean, there's a lot of losses that you're going to come across as you're 
you know, reaching higher highs, right? And so to be able to take that perspective and be able to say, okay, that sucks. That's my L. That's my loss. What do I take from that? Where's my win in that scenario? Oh, this is why I lost. This is the reason. Okay, I'm taking that out and I'm saying that's my learning lesson. That will never happen again. That's great. So for all the listeners out there, I know I say this, but this is definitely the point where you take that little toggle, you push it back about five minutes, you listen to everything that Justin just said because that was gold. Basically what he just said is let it go. Don't let it weigh you down. And let your grit, your like the way you perform to shine through. And I mean, just everything you said was just, just spot on for everybody to listen to. So go back, listen to that again. So you have, you're just, your grit personified, you don't let things weigh, weigh you down. You have all this in you. But you mentioned a key factor about, I'd say 15 minutes ago, mentorship. You mm-hmm. did your first deal and then you did your second deal and then you found a mentor. Mm-hmm. How did having mentorship help you to take the steps that you do now? Okay, so let's take it one step further. Um, because I've mentored now, I personally work with clients, right? Um, and they stem from people who are already making a million plus dollars a year. And I help them form their business to people who are kind of just getting started, right? And they've done a couple of deals, but they got to figure out how to do more. Um, let's take it all the way back to the beginning. We did two deals. We made $14,000. Well, we had to pay ourselves something, right? So we paid ourselves seven grand each, which is still eating top ramens. And now I'm eating hot dogs, right? Um, but we knew we were missing something. We knew that there was an easier path. We knew there was people out there that knew more than us. So I borrowed $25,000 from a friend to buy mentoring and said, trust me, you'll get your money back. I'm going to crush this shit. And he did it. And so I believe it so much that I borrowed the money to do it. I didn't have it. Not only didn't I have it, I didn't even have a place of my own yet. I was still sleeping on a couch. So it wasn't like I had this stuff going and I just needed to put it on my credit card versus my, no, 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 literally. Hey buddy, I need 25 grand to buy coaching because I need to go be a rock star, right? And he trusts me and emphatically and it worked out. But I believe it that much that now, I mean, every year I'm spending 25 grand, 40 grand, 50 grand on whether it's mentoring. Nowadays it's a little bit more in the mastermind space. Um, but it'll be personal. Like I'm going to Tony Robbins next week. Right. And I bought really expensive tickets because I want to be like, if I'm going to be there, I'm not going to be in the, wherever the fuck. Right. Like smell Tony's deodorant, right? Like (laughs) (laughs) Tony, what's up, dude. That's, that's uh, old spice. Got it. All right. That's what you rock. Right. So every year I spend a lot of money on this stuff. So that just happens to be more self-development, right? So I bought a ticket for me and my business partner. We spent a lot of money on those. So that's how much I believe it because no matter where you're at, you can always become better. So I surround myself with people who still to this day, like two of my business partners are Kent Clothier and Sean Terry. uh, And they're just great mentors to me. I mean, they're both 10 years older than me. Um, We view each other as, um, we we're like eye to eye in terms of no one like talks down to anyone or whatever, but I surround myself with people that, you know, Sean has done more deals than me. He had a portfolio of something like $120 million of rental properties, right? He's been on a bigger level than I've ever been. Kent, you know, him and his family are doing 700 to 900 deals a year. Um, and so I'm just always around that, right? So I'm always trying to level up, right? So now because of those things and now I'm becoming friends with billionaires like Jesse Itzler. I'm, you know, hanging out with Frank Shamrock last week um, in our mastermind, who's a, you know, world champion, four, five-time world champion for martial arts, mixed martial arts, MMA. And so I'm just surrounding myself with all that. It's so empowering because you have to be able to always level up. And it always doesn't have to be around business, right, or money. But becoming better is something that I'm just such an advocate for, right? And so I would encourage anyone of the listeners on here, um, to get mentoring, to get coaching, to get a blueprint of some level. And if money's tight, there's ways to round that, right? You can listen to these podcasts. You can listen to my podcast. You can buy a book. You can watch YouTube videos, right? Um, but always try to become better personally and business, right? So one of the questions I ask everybody is, um, 
a year from now, if we were to be talking, what has to happen personally and professionally for this year to be considered a success for you? And people go, hmm, because they don't know. They have no fucking idea. Oh, I want to make a million dollars. That's not what I'm talking about, right? What has to happen, right? Where's your needle start to get moved, right? For some people, it's the first deal. For some people, it's building a business. For some people, it's getting out of their job so that they can do what they really want to do. I mean, that question, if you really think about it, should take you a while to answer. So what, what's the answer for you? For looking back, uh, if I ask myself that question? Uh-huh. Um, what for, what this year? Get, so personally, mm-hmm. I'd like to find my partner to get in a relationship, to find a woman who is there with me, right? And that is not as easy as people would like it to be. One day we'll uh, tell you our story. Huh? One day we'll tell you our story. Right. So I'd, I'd love to find that woman. Right. So if, if I could look back and found that woman who's a partner and is just in it with me and understands what I do and how I go through and, you know, so if I could find that, that would be it. And then per- professionally, I would love to be able to, and I don't know if this year's the best year for it, but to get into the holding game, you know, this market's really on fire. So there's that argument, like, are you really going to buy at the top of the market? You know, um, and second to that is really, I've done a very good job over the last year diversifying our business. Like we're, we own part of a title company now. I have an Amazon business that runs. Um, I have a stronghold kind of in the cryptocurrency world where I've made a bunch of money uh, because I was kind of early in-ish um, and been able to kind of make some moves that really have made me a lot of money in that. And to be able to diversify, right? So now I'm looking at creating and or partnering with a direct mail company because we do so, I do so much freaking direct mail. I know it, right? And I have so many people, whether it's on my podcast or the student, you know, we have thousands of students that we help coach and teach and mentor for me to be able to say, hey, don't go use yellow letters HQ or whoever you're using, you know, use our company. We know what you're doing. We can specialize, right? Um, And so if I can create that this year, that would be a really cool component to start a um, mailing company and to just diversify because if you can create, I have, I think five or six levels of income. So if I can get several more um, and those are great opportunities to end up maybe selling off one day um, or a bigger company coming in, buying it off or whatever. So that would be professionally um, to get more into the buy and hold game. Um, Like we have a five plex right now, nothing too exciting. Um, and to diversify a little bit more and potentially own a couple other companies. So if you have someone who's just starting out and, and looking in, well, finds a mentor, what would be a suggestion now that you're coaching as well for someone that they could best utilize that mentor? And then following up with that, the second question would be multiple streams of income. If you're, if you're now starting to invest in real estate and you, you want to get into different components, do you, do you think that's a wise Thing to do from the start or should you focus on one specific space of real estate and perfect or do or just really perform well in that and then venture off i'll answer that first focus on one first get very focused extreme focus will get you extreme results okay so the more you know i have one client yesterday i was talking to and she's all over the board like to the point where she pulled a list of mobile homes and i'm like just fucking stop like you know how to wholesale you're doing deals you're making money make more when you get to a point where you're making more money, I would then will help guide you on how to expand your business, but get extremely focused on what you're doing. And that's why wholesaling is such a great model for that, right? It's a very basic, not convoluted model. Um, and I've done it all, right? I actually started rehabbing and then got into wholesaling. So I kind of went backwards, but, or in reverse, um, So get extremely focused. One thing that I have found the predominant part of what I do as a consultant or a mentor to people, just holding them accountable. I give them the blueprint, right? So here is the blueprint to make a million dollars a year here. But then it's, did you do that? Nope. Why not? Uh, Because my baby was hungry. Why didn't you feed him? Like why? Like, there's just no excuse to not getting it done, right? So the majority of what I work with people is here's your absolute blueprint, right? So I start with the question of a year from now, what has to happen professionally and personally 
for this year to be considered a great success for you or for you to be happy with your progress, right? Or however you want to end that, right? Um, and they say, okay, well, I want to do 100 wholesale deals a year. So great, how many are you currently doing? Well, I'm doing about 25 deals a year. Awesome. So we are gonna 300 times your business. Yeah. Okay, so first, let's have proper expectations. I can get you there. Is it gonna be within the year? Let's just say expectation-wise, probably not. That's first, right? And I just shoot them straight. Then holding them accountable to the things that they need to do. Okay, so we need to double your marketing so you can get double the leads because you're basically converting your leads at blah, 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 right? And I walk through their KPIs. And then I say, okay, did you double your marketing? Did you do more direct mail or did you make more cold calls or whatever? No, well, I just wanted to make sure, what, what are we making sure? Like, what the fuck are you, you have your list, you know all you have to do is just go from 10,000 mailers to 20, not sure what you're, right? And so I just hold it and I poke them. Right. It's like if you ever got poked over and over and over, it's annoying. And so eventually it's like, I'm the, the squeaky wheel, get off your lazy ass, just do it. Right. Do the work. And what I think most people don't understand as an entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur is fucking difficult. I'm the first person to ever admit it is not easy. It is not all glamorous. Can you make a bunch of money? Yes. But that comes with a bunch of work and headache and you know, whatever, like stress and trying to figure shit out when it's not going right. And what is right. So it is just not easy. And the biggest component of it not being easy is if you don't have the drive to do it, you're fucked. You're never going to make it. If you don't have that, I will do whatever it takes. My goal is this. And the game plan is to get there. And every day I work my game plan. There's no deviating. If you don't have that ability to say, every day I got to do whatever this is to get to that goal every single day, then A, you probably don't have the right goal or you don't want it bad enough, right? Because I use extreme examples, right? Like, do you guys have children? Two, yep. Okay, so what would you do for your child to get into whatever school? What would you do if your child was standing on a railroad track and a train was got like, when something's that important to you, you just do it. You sacrifice your mind, body, soul for anything for your child, right? You jump in front of the train, you do it's not even a question. That's how I treat business. Now that's extreme. I'm not, I don't want anyone to die, and, but it's real. Like he, here's your goal. It has to be something you want so bad. You will do whatever it takes to get there. And I'm also not recommending sacrificing your marriage over it either. Right. Cause that plays a part in life, but maybe your goal needs to be shrunk down a little bit, or you take your goal and say, maybe it looks like this instead of this because my marriage is falling apart. Right. I hear what you're saying. It's not I think what Justin's, to the listeners out there, I think what Justin's trying to explain is it's the mindset. He's not saying go jump in front of the train, ruin your family, ruin your marriage. He's saying have that mindset of getting it and doing it. And if you don't want it enough, then maybe it's not the right goal. Get out of the game. Get out of it. I mean, exactly. It's not going to be easy. I don't care if you, if you want to start a donut shop. <laughs> You're going to wake up at 2 a.m. to start cooking those fucking donuts. And no one wants to wake up at 2 a.m. to cook those damn donuts. That's right. Right. Like it's just not going to be easy. There, being an entrepreneur is not, you have to have sacrifice. You have to have the drive that will usurp whatever issues that come. They aren't issues anymore. That's just part of your day to day. So what's the biggest impact you're working on now in your business or the, the, the most, we'll say significant thing you're working on that's maybe broken at the time that you're, you're aiming to fix. I think we're always working on a better mousetrap for marketing. I don't think we ever quit that. Like we've gone down the path. We've spent six figures into pay-per-click marketing and just got crushed. Right. And so now I'm super reserved with pay-per-click mark. Like, like a guy yesterday who's talking to me about throwing five grand at some pay-per-click. I'm just like, I've done this. Like I've gone down this path and it didn't work out well. Right. Um, but we started a call floor last year. So we have 12 guys from nine to one cold calling. The same list I sent direct mail to, I also cold call. Um, when Sean came out with his RVM model, which is ringless voicemail, um, I bought it because I want another way to touch more sellers. So we're always working. I don't think there's one thing, but we're always working on creating a better mousetrap for bringing in leads because our business as investors is all about marketing and sales. We're not in real estate. Unless you are swinging the hammer and fixing the home yourself, you're not in real estate. 
you're in marketing and sales. And the better marketing and sales person you are, the better you're going to do in this business. Because the widget happens to be a house, but it could be anything. You're trying to get in front of as many customers as possible that want to sell their home to you. And then you're trying to sell that to someone else as a wholesaler, or you're buying it, rehabbing it and selling it to the market, right? So you're in marketing and sales. And so my, my big push always, my role of the company, truthfully, is to be the visionary and creative, right? Like I spend maybe five hours a week in a real estate business, maybe. And that's usually because we have an hour and a half meeting that I basically, I don't want to say I run it, but basically kind of as the head of the board, I sit there and I'm pretty quiet most of the time. And when the things come up that I need to say, Hey, why didn't we try this? What about that's where my role is, is to say, you know, how do we get better? How do we get more creative? What about this deal? This deal's not working. Why don't we creatively try to wrap it like this and da, 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 right? That's so I'm probably five hours in my real estate business and I get paid on every single one of the deals. That's right. And that's so building to that, if someone's looking at that and saying, wow, that, that's amazing. That's where I want to get to mentorship. We have, we have that down. We know that that's an integral part to the process, mm -hmm. but what would be another actual step you'd tell a new real estate investor today looking to just create a business and stop just having maybe flipping a house here from here to there? Yeah, I think there's a difference between getting started um, and then building a business. <clears throat> so if someone's a rookie and they're looking to get their first deal done and or they got their first deal or second deal, they still are in grind mode and there's no way out of that. And what frustrates me is when a client will say, okay, I've done... 20 deals now, I want to really grow my business. I want to hire. And I'm like, did you put a quarter million dollars in your pocket yet? Well, no, I put in 80. Not, you're not hiring shit. You're in grind mode, right? Because that's the reality is you don't have the autonomy, in my opinion, and everyone can have a different opinion, right? That's the beautiful part. If you can't put a quarter million dollars in your pocket, you shouldn't be outsourcing anything. I say outsourcing is a word. I mean, if you hire a couple of VAs, that's okay, right? Because they're handling just some stuff and they're relatively inexpensive. I'm talking about like hiring a lead manager, hiring an acquisition manager, hiring a project manager, hiring a disposition manager, hiring, hiring like real people that are in your business. You don't have the ability to do that yet until you can put a quarter million dollars in your pocket. Because what gets you to zero to a quarter million dollars is grind and hustle, period. And you do everything right? You write the contracts and you wash the toilets. You're doing it all. From quarter million and more, now we can start talking about how do we build an actual business where I don't have to do it all. I still have to do a lot, but I don't have to do it all. Too, too often now people are seeing myself or Sean or Kent or someone who's built a business and they want to emulate that. They immediately want to go from doing 10 deals a year to, okay, I got to build a business and I need two acquisition people and I got two lead people and I need to have this. No because you will fail. You will burn through whatever money you do have and you won't actually be efficient, right? Because what you want to live the lifestyle by design, I got it. But it took us 10 years to get to where I'm at today. It wasn't this almost 11 years. I mean, it's 2018, 11 years, right? So um, there's a patience level. That to me, I'll argue this. The most critical part of success, if that list, right, from tenacity, persistence to failure, patience is to me the key to the success because it just doesn't happen overnight and you won't get the results that you want overnight. And when I mean overnight, I might say a year, you might not get the results you want in a year. So do you have the grit, the persistence, the tenacity and patience to keep going? That's great. So say you put 250,000 in your pocket, what would your first hire be? Personal assistant. That's great. How would you my personal it? assistant runs my life, right? Like even you guys dealt with her because she schedules my calendar. That's great. Andrea. She runs everything. Yeah. Andrea? Is that Andrea, you? yeah. Andrea? Yeah. Andrea, you're awesome if you're listening to this. She, I'll give her kudos, but I might not tell her. I don't want her head to get too big. <laughs> no, she's awesome. I mean, and so the reason why I say that portion is because there's just a lot of minutia during your day that you can put on to someone that can handle that, right? Like, for example, she went and got the mail already. She goes and gets us lunch. She goes and gets me coffee. She goes and does just stuff that would naturally take time out of my day. And my day is best utilized by generating revenue. So if I'm going and getting lunch, I'm going and getting coffee and I'm going to get the mail and I'm going, that doesn't put any money in my pocket, right? That doesn't bring us any more money. So my first hire would be a personal assistant and it might be part-time, might be full-time depending upon how much you got. 
Um, the next hire would likely be some sort of level of lead person and or like a follow-up person because the last thing anyone should get rid of is the acquisition side. We are always going to be best at acquisitions because we care the most. We understand the market the most. It's money going into our pocket. We know the numbers. We know, man, if I can get them down to 205,000, I make 25 grand and that's my money where if you give that up and you give it to someone, they're willing to, they'll go to 210 and you just missed out on that five grand where you or I would not go to 210 because we want that five grand. But to them, they're like, oh, it's still a 20 pounder. It's still 20 grand. So who cares? I care. I want the five grand, right? So I'm going to keep that as long as possible. What's your, what's your end game with real estate? Um, I think probably not that atypical. I think it's just a mass amount of rentals. Um, I don't think I'll ever stop <clears throat> investing in the active real estate. So wholesaling, wholesaling rehab is active real estate. I don't think I'll ever stop that. But over the years, I'm just going to accrue a massive amount of rental portfolio. And that could be single family homes and it could turn into, um, you know, multi-unit, 50 units at a time, 100 units at a time. Um, but I also have the patience back to success. I have the patience to understand it may not happen overnight, right? Like right now, the market's just on fire. It's not necessarily the best time to be buying rentals, in my opinion. Could I find a market? in middle America that could probably give me a great return. Well, yeah, but then I, I got to find the people there that I can trust and all this other stuff. So, um, that'll just be a patience game, right? If I can knock down a couple year, every single year when the market does go dark, when it does go South and it will, um, I will go nuts because unfortunately I was a little too naive at the time. Um, we were rehabbing homes when the market was, you know, the perfect time, like 2012, when it would have been the perfect time to buy and hold. And we were making a bunch of money and we were a little bit too money hungry for it and like, oh, let's just keep making a bunch of money. We didn't see the value in buying the rentals, the long terms, because we'd be making 200 bucks a month. Um, so I was probably a little too naive at that point and that won't happen again. <clears throat> I'll go nuts on the rental game. Is there a, uh, an app or, or a tech trick you're being that you're systems focused that that's really allow or allows you to excel your business? Podio is awesome. Yeah. Podio is because it's on your phone. You can be in the field. You can communicate with one another, just like you can over text message in the app. You can upload the files. You can upload pictures. You can, you know, task yourself reminders. You can, I mean, it's just so great right? Did you build out your own Podio or did you have, do you have like anything on top of Podio that helps it, um, that basically systematizes your business? So did you build we it We built ours out for ourselves. I have a Podio guy, um, that I pay. Uh, I think I pay him, I don't know, $45 an hour when we want to make changes and stuff. Um, but I kept mine really simple. There's, I have a buddy out there that started Investor Fuse and he made this big thing and very, you know, automated, I think there's too much automation in my opinion. I think it needs to be more personal. So we didn't go with this super, super, you know, press a button, send emails and all this. I want people calling. Right. And so ours is relatively basic relative to what's out there. I would say, right. When I built mine, mine was pretty fucking awesome. Nowadays people are building these crazy, super duper podio things. And, um, for me and my business, it doesn't fit not to say they aren't great. Right. Um, so we just built it out with a guy with a podio expert. Keep it simple. Yeah. Call. Keep it simple. I mean, this business is simple, right? I mean, it really is. Yeah. And then if you track your KPI as well and you look at your statistics, you know, so we have a, what we call like a snapshot for everything from our call floor to our direct mail to, you know, everything. So we, every week we review it. Hey, we have this many appointment percentages, this many contract percentages, this many closing percentages, we're missing the ball here. We're averaging this much per unit. Like we just have everything measured because then we know where to tweak or specifically that's my role. That's when I get to come in and say, okay, guys, really dropping the ball here. We need to lift this up. We need to move this over here. We need to, um, so what else app wise Podio has been a lifesaver. Well, just to interject a little bit for anybody that's new to real estate, KPIs are key performance indicators. And if you are in real estate and you're not tracking yours, 
find a mentor who can explain to you what key performance indicators are better yet. We'll do a podcast on it yeah. and start tracking them. Cause do it. Me and your, you know what? I'll ask, I'll ask you, Justin, why are key performance indicators so key in your business? Um, I think I'm going to butcher it because I'm blanking on it. What gets measured gets results. Yes. I think that's the saying, right? And I just believe it. What gets measured gets results. So if you don't know, like I didn't know for four or five years, we just fucking put our head down and we were running and it worked. But could we have been more efficient? Could we have worked maybe less hard? Could we have potentially made more money? Yes, yes, yes. Right? Why does something work? Why doesn't it work? You can find We didn't know. We had no way to look back at that five years and say, God, we did that. So that's why that we had, there's nothing that we can point to and say that helped. Yeah, the thing yeah. would be if you were putting a hundred hours in banded signs and you were putting two thousand dollars in direct mail and you're getting one contract out of direct mail every you know four months, but you're getting twenty out of banded signs. Well, you may not even know where the leads are coming from if you're not tracking them and just then now you're doubling down on banded signs all the long. Just correct. Yeah, and if you don't know, you don't know. And if you're not tracking where you're putting the bandit signs and realizing so like <clears throat> we do bandit signs. So we compartment like we have one, two, three, four, right? So if all the deals are coming from area four, then fuck one, two, and three. I want more in area four, right? But if you're not tracking your areas on top of, you know, the phone numbers and the different type of signs and you got to have that information because you could be spending 80% of your energy and money and only focusing on the 20% of income areas where you should be vice versa, right? Are you tracking your band of signs based on a phone number or, or an app that allows shows you where they are? The app shows where you are. What is it? Simple crew? Yeah. That's called simple crew. Yeah. Simple crew we use where they take a picture of it and it comes in. My acquisition manager helps run that. So we hire people Friday nights. They go out and put it out and they take a picture and they only get paid if a picture comes through. And if they say, you know, oh, my phone broke. Well, you don't get paid. Sorry about it. Right. Um, so yeah, that's the easiest way. And then we track that based around location. So we track it based around are you in one, two, three, or four? And where are the leads and deals coming from? That's great. So we got a couple more questions before we're going to let you go. Oh, okay. I got you. <laughs> a couple more. A couple more. Uh, what is your big why? It's a good question. So that took me. So you guys are familiar with my business partner, Kent Clothier? Yes. Yeah. So that's his, like, he's hell bent on waking people up, right? And his big thing is you need to know your why. So I heard this for the last five to six years and I'm not married. I don't have kids. So I don't have that ability to tap into that. Okay. He's very clear on the only thing that really matters to him is spending time with his children and his wife. Right. That is very clear. And he goes way deeper. I'm just keeping it surface level for this. So I had to figure out why am I doing any of it? And about, Two years ago, it became very clear to me. I got into this industry with the idea of money being the motivator because I wanted to party with my friends. And when my friends were, you know, one of my best friends in the entire world, he's a brother to me, is a working actor. So needless to say, he doesn't make a ton of money. If I want to go somewhere, I'm paying for both of us and we're fucking going. Like no excuses, right? That's why I got into this business is because I wanted to bring my friends with me. So... That only lasts so long before that's not really a huge motivator, right? You're like, okay, well, that's not a huge motivator. And I don't love spending, you know, twice as much to go somewhere. (laughs) Um, So what happened about two years ago is I came to the realization, my dad had to give me a call and he came down on financial hard times and he called me his son and you guys are parents. So you can only imagine how that had to feel for him to call me to say, can you please cover my mortgage? I can't afford it. And it wasn't a question. It was uh, yeah, yeah, stop. Cause I got all, it's like weird, right? Like I'm, my dad's breaking down to me on the phone financially and I'm like, okay, 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 okay. How much do you need? What do you, like I kind of shut him down and I said, okay, great. I'll send you a wire right now. And I walked down to the bank and I just wired him the money. Um, so over that time, there's just been instances, whether it has been friends that have come down on really hard times. I have a buddy who came down really, really hard times. He made some investments that didn't pan out and he lost it all. And my dad has had a couple issues and so on. And I've 
three or four other stories that I can mention, but they've come to me. And so for me, my why becomes, I need to be the rock and the foundation that my current family and my future family can come to in times of need. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. So that, but that wasn't easy for me to find, right? Like I had to work at it and grind at it. Like why, why, why am I doing this? Well, now I'm very clear. It's so that my friends, my family can come to me in times of need and I can be there without question. I don't have to hesitate. Right. And so that's a, that's a huge driver for me. Do you have a morning routine? And, and if so, what is it? Yeah. My morning routine actually changes depending upon my mood, not day to day, but almost season to season. It's kind of funny. You know how you go through seasons and you're like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, uh, it's almost seasonal for me. So right now in this season, uh, I wake up at six, I'm at the gym by six 30. I work out. Uh, well, one thing I do, so let's get one part. I wake up at six, I throw my feet off the bed. I pound water. Cause once I do that, there's no going back to sleep. Right. Um, and I put my feet flat on the ground and I run energy through my feet and through my tailbone and it's earth's energy. So I, it's called grounding yourself. And it's the first thing I do in that time. Maybe I'm giving thanks. Maybe I'm saying prayer. Um, but it's like five minutes of just getting earth's energy and grounding myself and giving thanks, get dressed hit the gym shower at the gym, hit the office and start running. So that's kind of my morning. Now that's one season. I just went through a long season um, of, I would wake up at the same time, but I'd make myself a coffee, get right back into bed and open a book. And I wanted to better myself. That was my personal time where I could say no work, no email, no nothing, no. And then I would read and then I would hit the gym in the afternoon. And that was like a long season. It just felt good, right? It just, I enjoyed the quiet time where you start to hear the birds, you're seeing the sun come up, like the, the room's still dark. You make yourself a cup of coffee, you get back into bed, throw in your light, you're reading your book and all of a sudden you can see the sun come up. And I was like, I like that, right? But then I kind of got over it. <laughs> I was like, okay, new season. What am I doing? What am I changing? What am I flipping, right? So now I'm a wake up, run energy and meditate slash give thanks uh, and hit the gym right away. Because here's what I found. There's always a reason in the afternoon to not go work out. Bingo. A buddy says, hey, let's go grab dinner. Let's go grab drinks. Um, anything like my business partner has a 11 year old son who's awesome at baseball and he might have a game and I'm like, oh, I'd rather go watch him play baseball, right? Whatever. I'm just there's always a reason for me to be like, I don't feel like going to the gym today. And I'm such a gym rat, right? Like I work out every day and I found myself saying, oh, I'd rather go do this instead. Right. Awesome. Do you have uh, any words you live by? That's a good question. Almost like a mantra almost like, um, you might have posted somewhere. So I have a couple things that come to mind when you say that, if I'm just, understanding you right like I don't have anything we have like um sayings like quotes so to speak um I'm all about making an impact and creating income impact and income that's what I'm all about if I can create a large enough impact on people in the world the income will naturally come so that's my big mission right now and I'm seeing it already right? Like mentoring people, coaching people, making an impact on people's lives has created a massive amount of income coming towards me right now. Um, so that's one. I'd also say um, something I live by is there's a difference between motivation, inspiration, and aspiration. So motivation to me is I need to motivate you two to do what you know you can do. So you're really not leveling up. You're motivated to get done what needs to get done to do what you know you could do. Okay. So let's just use the example. You guys are doing hundred deals a year. I need to motivate you to do hundred deals a year. Inspiring somebody is I need to inspire you to do 130. You've never done 130. You don't know if you can do 130, but I need to help inspire you to get to 130. And then aspire 
is I got to get you so inspired that you now internally aspire to do 250, to blow it way out of the water. And if I can motivate you and inspire, inspire you to aspire you, I've done what I've come to do. Incredible. Awesome. Yeah, this, yeah. this has officially become one of my top 10 favorite podcasts. I, hold on. Time, there's <laughs> top, say, two. Like, top two. I don't even know who you've interviewed, but yeah. top two. Top five. Okay, I'm in the top five, top five, top five. Top, top, definitely top five. I'll take it. I'll take the top five. This is awesome. Oh, this has been amazing. Yeah, Justin, so, this has been great. Last question. Best way for others to contact, connect with you and contact with you, whether it's just to ask you a question, whether it's to get a coaching podcast, program, any of the points. podcasts. I mean, you can even like talk about Sean's bring this voicemail. This is where you let us know how to get in contact with you and the best ways and the best things for people to contact to level up their business. So, Here's what I'll do to your listeners. Um, I have, I will give them a free month of my science flipping Academy where they will learn how to be a successful wholesaler, wholesaler, rehabber, buy and hold and creative financing investor. Awesome. Um, and so they will be able to dive in and have a foundation that they can learn from use. They can download the documents. They can just get into my world and have that as a foundation. Um, and the best way we can do that is just in email me at, uh, info at the science of flipping.com info at the science of flipping.com. And I will give you access, uh, for a free month to my Academy where you will have a ton of training and documents. Um, so that's the best thing I can probably do for you and your listeners. Wow. Uh, to just give that away. And then obviously if they want my book and all those other things, we, you know, as they become part of my Academy, I can give them my book and yeah. it won't be a hard copy like that, that you have to buy on Amazon. <laughs> um, but I'll give them, I'll happily give them also an ebook version of that where we turned it into an ebook. So I'll also give them that as well. So info at the signs of flipping.com. And don't Amazing. forget to mention that you heard Justin Colby on the REI Foundation podcast, yeah, please. That's right. Justin, mention it. Thank you so much. This has been inspiring. It would be the word that comes to mind. Yeah. We love it. So absolutely incredible. Right on. Why well, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me on. This has been a this has been a blast. Yeah. Well, again, thank you, Justin. And this is the REI Foundation podcast with Jason and Peely. Thank you again to Justin Colby and thank you to you all for listening. We are so grateful. Have a great day. Peace. Bye now. Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation Podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.